Welcome to the Fantasy Take TV podcast, uh, first episode for 2022. Super excited, all these new rules to discuss. So yeah, on the agenda today, we'll discuss these new rules, how they impact our team. We'll also discuss the ownership ownership stats have come out. A few surprises, um, you know, some of these picks, maybe they influence a little bit how we pick, probably not, but uh, they do. You might worry, you know, if a player has high ownership, might worry about that. So look at the ownership and we'll also go through some community questions so i can't wait for this episode and uh joining us as always uh, jd how are you i'm good thanks what about yourself george pretty rough 24 uh, hours huh oh uh, for sport anyway <laughs> stayed up to watch medvedev choke and then the chief the chiefs in the nfl choke just as bad um, so yeah if you follow if you follow the tennis or nfl um yeah pretty pretty big weekend um but yeah, not not great. As soon as the NFL ended, I was just like, just now we're just waiting for AFL. I've had enough of other sports. <laughs> um, anyway, Eno, how you going? George, how are you, mate? We into Cromland now. Is that where the head's at <laughs> for the next oh, Supercoach land, Cromland. Just, yeah, Supercoach really. Oh, I don't care about other sports for six months, to be honest, but we'll see how we go. But a uh, huge episode today. Um, the changes, massive news for Supercoach. So there are probably three or four major changes here. Um, so first of all, we have 35 trades now instead of 30, um, a bit of an increase. We have trade boosts. So five times through the year, we can activate an extra trade. Um, and also the mid-season DPPs. So with the uh, mid-season DPPs, if a player plays a certain a different position in the first six weeks, um, then they might get that status. Depending on how much they play, I think it needs to be 35%. Um, that will be granted dual position. So that all happens in round six, 12, and 18. So we've gone over what we think of these changes in our own videos, but um, we'll discuss um, basically uh, two questions, like how they impact our team and how they change strategy. So first we'll start off with, have these rules impacted your starting team. You know, when Supercoach opened, you saw these rules. Did you make adjustments to your team? Start off with JD. Um, what do you think? So I think not for me. I'm probably one of the more conservative ones. I had a look at uh, the AFL fantasy stats last year and had a look at how many actually swapped into a forward or defensive position that were relevant for our Supercoach sides. And I could really only see a couple. So I know a lot of people are going very thin on the forward line, thinking that we're going to get like Bont and Pelly and Fife and Danger and all these other great options potentially in our forward line. But I just don't see that being the case. I think we might get one or two. Um, so I'm not. I'm trying not to overreact to this news, which is what we tend to do as super coach, super coaches when it comes to rule changes. We overreact. So for me, steady as she goes. I was the opposite. Initially, I overreacted. I released my team. I took Heaney out, who has been in my preseason, my team all preseason. I had just Dunkley F1. I think I had Cogs F2, something stupid like that. Um, but um, now, as we looked back at you know last year, you know not really many players got forward status that were relevant. I mean, there was a few. You know, Josh Kelly. Um, don't know how that happened and then uh, Sean Darcy who was coming from injury in the preseason so those were two of the main ones or just about the only ones really so not going to overreact and it's it will be a bit of luck with these forward with the the forward line who gets forward status so for me uh, I've put Isaac back in he's I'm happy to run two at the moment uh, Dunkley and yeah, Heaney at F2 um, what about you Eno? any changes for you 
upon the new rules announcement? No, much like JD, that none of it actually changed my physical team. Um, but it's more pretty much the main thing what he said with the forwards. Like, I'm not going to overreact and think we're going to get four or five, but there will be a couple, I would assume, that may become relevant. But that's not going to change, you know. I'm not going to start Butters or Heaney because we might get, you know, five or Dangerfield. It's, if they're good picks, they're good picks. Um, and obviously, we always say the starting team is dictated by rookies. So that's, that's the main thing down the line. I don't think any of the changes change the team, but... The strategy definitely will change, which we'll speak about in a second. That's that's definitely more part of what they actually did. Is um yeah, changed my thinking towards how we're going to deal with these changes during the year. So yeah, it didn't change the team, but um, definitely it's a big thing for the strategy. Yeah, I think it's important. So this is going to affect the forward line more than other lines for sure. Um, yeah. So what do we think? You know, we saw you know Dugowie Butters, um, all these four fifty k forwards. Uh, maybe start with you, JD. Are you less inclined to start these players now. I'm not saying, like, I don't know if you were or you weren't going to start these players, but with the, given we might get a few forwards, um, are you, like, less interested in these players or just still the same, whatever level of interest you already had in these players? So I think the only thing it really changes is that the one or two forward premiums, or maybe even three, I think, like, that's probably the max that you start, you have to be sure they're going to be top six, factoring in that we might get two or three from the midfield as well. So you only want to start like your top, top forward options. You don't want to pick the guys that are just going to limp in. And so that's probably the only thing that's really changed my thinking when it comes to those selections, just making sure that the two or three that I do start are the ones I really believe are going to be a top six forward, regardless of the changes. Yeah, pretty much agree with that. I'm thinking max three, even three feels a little dicey, to be honest. Um, I think it was an article today coming out where Leon said, you know, we can use Toronto up forward. So that's a bit of a worry as well. So, um, yeah, I think we can leave it at that. Um, move on to the next question, which is, you know, how do these changes uh, alter your season strategy? Now 35 trades, DPPs. Um, we go on a little bit more towards mid-prices, just more durability risks, a few questions we have to answer. Anno, how have these, how do you think these uh, changes are going to go for your team? We'll start off with, um, the trade boosts. How do you think you'll use the trade boosts? Yeah, yeah. I'll put the trades to the side. Like, I think it's been said, we had 34 last year. So that's pretty much the same. The boosts are definitely interesting. Um, you don't want to plan when you're exactly going to use them because obviously it's, every team's going to be different. I think that's the main thing that's cool is we'll get a lot more uniqueness with DPP and then trade boosts and what, what weeks people use them uh, specifically in accordance to their team. You know, might get an injury but others don't. So, um, yeah, I think the main thing is like round, round three. Say you miss a good mid-pricer and a good rookie um, and also one of your primos get injured, perfect opportunity to use it then. Um, and then, as I think you've said before, in upgrade season, using three, like maybe two or three weeks in advance trying to get, you know, all that cash banked and upgrade as quick as you can to maximise points. So, um, yeah, a couple of strategies there. Who knows what's going to work? It's the first season of it. That's that's the interesting part. And every season is different anyway with players that become available and rookies and whatnot. So I think the boost, I just like, I like it. It's a cool idea. I think it's cool. It's something fresh um, to think about. New strategy is always good. So yeah, I'm happy to, or excited to, to talk about it during the year and what, what we should do. So yeah, no, I like it. So do you think you'll use these boosts more offensively rather than for COVID outs? 
so hard to speak on COVID at this point, really. Like, yeah, um, that's true. They're, yeah. they're just, I think they're deciding now. I saw uh, more in the next few days as to what plans they'll put in place. But because um, obviously WA border is a big one too, so we don't know what's happening there. We'll probably have to speak about that later. But you probably always want to save one or two for just big carnage weeks anyway, you know, when three massive owned players go down or something stupid happens. So you always probably want to keep one or two up your sleeve. But, I, yeah, I don't. Um, hate the idea of using him very aggressively um, to sort of uh, maximise the points. So, yeah, I do see that being a good tactic. Yeah, I'm yeah. I like I can't see myself using it for that right because we don't normally sideways premiums for a two week injury and COVID outs are like two weeks capped. So I just can't see myself using it for any of that. I think the the best uses are probably the one that you put at NO, which is like you're on that round two bubble and you might need to have three trade corrections. Like that's fine. I think the other one that's interesting is during upgrade season, obviously the big problem with like injury prone players is if they go down during that upgrade cadence, uh, then it like puts you a week behind everyone else. So you can kind of boost to kind of stay up with everyone else, but still sideways out your premium. But I think George is right. I think the winning strategy this year is going to be, you'll see like the, the, People that win use like three or four offensively and then maybe reserve one or two for the buyers. That'd be my best guess of what happens this year. Yeah, the buyers is the last one. George, what's your thoughts on... Because you can use... If you use them then, you can use four trades in one round. Would you be bothering to sideways primos or... What do you think? I think maybe one in the last round. Um, But yeah, in terms of using these boosts, I don't want to use any in the first six rounds. Not even one. Um, I think just because they will help us generate because they're not really I guess maybe it's helping you generate money early if you miss out miss out on certain players but I want to use these so I can downgrade two rookies at once if that makes sense so um, I want to use them between say round six or seven and the buy rounds and then save one or two for the buy rounds Um, I don't know if I'll save one after the buys it just we don't really know how things are going to go and as you said, JD, with the COVID outs, it's um, you just hopefully hold. I I heard Rob today say that they're ten day outs if you have COVID. I think that's a, it could one be week. Games. One week. Okay then. Um, okay, that's fine. It's so, like it depends on when you get pinged, right? It yeah, could be cool. Could be one. Yeah. True. Um, so see how that goes. Um, but yeah, don't. So I see myself using them offensively, but I don't want to use them too early. So, yeah, I think they'll be good. Um, but, yeah, just upgrade the team, make make plenty of money. So, um, move on to... Do you like them? Uh, Quickly, do you like them in general? Do you think it's too many maybe, like threes maybe enough? Or what do you this year, no. I have no, this year, I have no issue. Next year, uh, it's going to be tough because people... You know, when you give people something, you don't really want to take it, take it away from them. So, yeah. see what happens yeah. next year. Um, that's yeah. Worry about that next year. It's still January thirty first <laughs> when we're doing this. So, uh, see how that goes. But um, yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Okay, I think we can move straight into the ownership of players because we have a lot of players to discuss here. Um, we'll start off with the defenders, and I'll read these ownership numbers out. Um, so Lloyd 44, Whitfield 20, uh, 42, Sicily 32, Crisp 24, Hull 18, and Short 8%. So those are the main premiums. Um, and anything's... Yes, are they probably the main ones that stood out. Um, 
Yeah. Anything surprises you? Anything that's got you thinking, oh, maybe I'm a bit worried if I don't have a certain player? Like, what do you, what sticks out to you from this defender ownership list? Yeah, this obviously we're probably looking at the same, probably two, I'd say, um, or maybe three. Like, Whitfield is, is pretty high for someone that does get slated quite a bit for his history. I'm surprised he's up just basically right with Lloyd um, because a lot of people do. <laughs> do feel like they've been burned in the past with him, which I guess is true to an extent. But um, probably Sicily, 32% is is higher than I thought, although I guess he is a bit of a favourite too, and um, he's obviously discounted, um, of course, while not being massively discounted, it is a bit. Um, you got anything to say on that, Jules? Oh, it's interesting. Um, I think we can start off with Whitfield. This is yeah. because... Look, I played AFL Fantasy last year and he was in, out, in, out. So I looked at the name when I put him in my team. I was like, do I really want to do this again? Because he's pretty damn frail. But you just see the numbers. Like He, he scored a 190 um, a few years ago in the opening round. So do we have to pick Whitfield, um, JD? What do you think? I think you do. He's the only defender that hasn't left my side this preseason. I th- I think he's a great choice. We talk about this time and time again, but the injury types that he's had aren't soft tissue. They're a mismatch of unlucky injuries. But it and keeps happening, JD. It does keep is happening. That- and so this is a really like interesting thing. Is he just like brittle? Um, or has he just been incredibly unlucky and things will kind of like turn around? Uh, and that's really hard to say, but I would rather be on the side of things will turn around and, and ride him than be the person sitting on the sideline that missed out. Are you the same, Eno? Yeah, yeah, I take that in 100%. Um, price, main thing, 500k is a lot, 80k cheaper than Lloyd and 70k than, than Hall. And we've got, well, I don't want to say it every time we pick someone that's a bit risky, you know, we do have the outs if if he is one to get injured in early parts of, this, of the season. So, um I'm, yeah, I'm totally okay with starting him with the with the upside he presents. I will yeah. say the thing that I'm surprised with is that his ownership is so high with Sicily. So I, the thing that I don't get is picking them together. And I assume if their percentages are that high, then there are a lot of people that are picking both of them in their side. And that to me is like the thing that I I can't get on board with. But yeah, what what do you what do you think, George? Oh, we've, I think I feel like I have to pick him because of his price. It's problems if you don't pick him, but it's also potentially problems if you do. Um, so I think I'd be rather on the side that he should make money. What I will say is watching him last year, I don't know if it was because he had limited preseason, but his kicking was quite bad, I thought, last year, like uncharacteristically. So I don't know if that carries on, but um, give him a full preseason, he should tear it up. I don't see why he can't. So with the, I think he went 92 in 2021, but there was an injury game in there where he got concussed. So probably would have been high 90s or something like that. So give him a full preseason. It's a scary prospect to go without him. So I just just pick him with a full preseason, and then I'm pretty confident that we, if he does get injured, we'll sell him at a higher price, which isn't ideal, but still trying to play the percentages here, I guess. Um, I guess it depends how you see, how much of an injury risk you see him as. But yeah, Sicily as well. This is an interesting one because he said that he's lifted his training standards, which means you saw what happened when Petrarca and Wines lifted their training standards. So it's a tough one, but there's also issues with like the role. So 
Um, is he going to be freed up all the time? How much point sharing is there? So, I and for the, the first time, yeah, I think eighteen months will be okay though, probably. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because I wasn't considering him, and then I saw thirty percent or thirty three percent, and then I thought, okay, JD disagree disagrees. What do you reckon? Uh, I I will never pick or not pick someone because of ownership percentage, especially in my preseason team. So the fact but what that if he, the fact what that I didn't want to start him, right? Because I don't think he's a good pick, and then thirty two percent of people are starting him <laughs> because I think he's a good pick is a delight to me. Because like he's someone that I think when you get a like instant advantage over the competition by not owning. Right, but what if great. he turns out good and they have a thirty percent of the comp have a four hundred forty k primo and we are hundred k down. Well, that's that yeah. would be horrific. But I'm backing myself in to make a better decision than them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm happy. It's one I'm happy to take on. Whitfield's not one I'm happy to take on. That's just the way I see it. And the point you had with both of them being up there is, yeah, it is. You're very. You're taking a big risk taking both of them on at the same time. Is is the way I see it. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Happy to roll with Wit over over him for it's not even what fifty k more is it? Like it's sixty k something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. See how we go. See how what is how many kickouts he gets because I still think he's probably the main kickout guy there. So probably the the other one that's here is Hall is seventeen percent. That's too low. Yeah, that's crazy. I thought that would be like thirty five percent. So maybe it's because his age less proven, plays for North or whatever. So think I wouldn't bet against Hall to be honest um, you guys the same unless I see something change in a month's time I I think he's got one more year of, of that role until they, they try and mold some kids to do similar things you know you obviously don't want blokes like him and Deeble doing that for the next two or three years you want to get someone with a bit of youth on their side doing that but I still think he's got one more year of, of doing that, unless it obviously changes preseason. But I don't see it happening. He was really, really good, like really impressive. So I don't see why he would change that. Yeah, I, like if you're trying to look for reasons to not start Hall, the only one I can think of is that North's game plan last year was to stem the bleeding. It wasn't really to win games. At least I felt like with that much kick to kick in the back half. And I just wonder, like, at some point, will Noble kind of transition them away from that type of game plan or game style, which would then inevitably hurt Hall scoring? That's the, really the only other thing I can point to, apart from the obvious stuff around, like, age and injury history and that type of stuff. But if, if it's, you know, steady on as it was last year, then he should be a great option. Yeah, good point. So just quickly, two mid-prices. So Miller are 17%, and how is Will Day on 14% ownership? Oh, I it's, pre-season. it's pre-season. People like a bit of mid-price madness, you know, in their teams at this point in the year, and then hopefully they learn the error of their ways and ditch them later on because these are bad picks. They're just bad picks. I think there's a world where Miller works. I don't want to bet on that. He's uh, very unreliable in multiple ways. Confidence, role durability obviously so I'd better skip these players I think it's interesting to if Miller can tick a few boxes I can see why someone would want to pick it pick him I am under no circumstances picking him but yeah and Will Day he's not even going to have half back role I think it sounds like he's playing wing 
Um, even like Bramble. Bramble's a halfback. Sounds like he's going to have to move to a wing. So um, not much else to discuss there, really. Move on to the midfielders. So we'll start with the midfield premiums. Lockie Neal, 51%. Uh, Steel, is that 56? It's 46, 46, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McRae, 42%. Clary, 38%. Walsh, 33%. Took, 16%. Tom Mitchell, 16%. Um, I'll start here. So Neal, 51%. Probably expected. Walsh, 33%. Surprised me a bit. Um, First reaction was, must be a lot of Carlton supporters, but I think everyone loves Walsh anyway. So understandable uh overtook i don't know about that um anything stand out for you here jd i think it's very much a 1a 1b 1c sort of picks but um, what do you think i i'm a little bit surprised it took as low as he is and just um like the amount well how high the ownership is it feels like most teams must be batting like or probably five deep in the midfield, which is also a little bit surprising. Uh, I'd say that's that's probably it. And and not only that, but they're paying up. Like these are the big names that are all pretty much top end of price apart from Neil, and they're all really heavily selected. So that's probably the surprising part for me. I guess the other thing that's somewhat interesting is because options like Neil, Steele, and McRae as like a really common combination. I think most of the Discord would be running these three together. It feels like the midfield isn't where you're going to get your advantage this year. It's going to be in other places. Yeah, I think four versus five mids will be an interesting discussion point. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to depend on um, what sort of rookies we get. I really want to run five, to be honest. I'm having a hard time dropping any of my five mids currently, but I think I'll have to I'll see how the strength of the rookies and then decide there. But... Um, yeah, what do you think? Anything stand out for you here, you know? Yeah, for me, it was first Walsh being that. I thought he'd be maybe 20s, and then Took, being, Took and Titch probably both being a bit low, considering um, how well they finished the year. Um, I mean, you could even throw Bont and Track down at 10%. I think they're just about, you know, Bont had an unbelievable run as M1 for, you know, almost two-thirds of the year. And Track had a great run for half a year as well, so... It's spoiled for choice. It's just stupid how many good players there are in the midfield um, and how many good scorers there are. So I'm not surprised by the top four, but yeah, I know you say it's probably, or JD says it's probably not where you're going to get your advantage, but you know, you're M4, M5, or well, I know Neil's going to be M5, but probably three and four is, you know, probably going to be the unique parts, I would say, um, or at least one. So. You know, you just don't want to. You want to avoid the guy that that has the down year because there's always going to be one. Um, yeah. So that's the key. <laughs> I think one place where we can get an advantage is probably M6, M7, M8. Okay, one of them is probably going to. One of them is going to be Dacos, or like right now, uh, um, one of them will be Dacos. And who are your other two? So, or probably Greg Clark as well. But who's the other slot? So, a few names here. So Dacos, sixty-two percent. Most owned in the game. Uh, Horn Francis, 52%. Um, Matt Rowe, 25%. That's that's huge. Um, Jared Berry, 10%. And then thrown in Finn McRae, 7, 7%. It's also, um, don't have him here, but like Ward and Erasmus, I think, will make, a way, make their way into a few teams as well as uh, we see them in preseason. Horn Francis, 52%. How do you fit him in? 
Like, I'm running Finn McRae at the moment, so I don't know how I can fit Juan Francis in. Well, um, most people aren't running Finn McRae, so I'd say that's, that's where the that's substitution where I is. <laughs> Did you just okay, read so, the same percentages? <laughs> one's 50, one's you, seven, so I have Juan Francis, yeah. Has him being a forward, it seems like he'll be a forward in six weeks in this, the season. Has that affected it at all? Um, maybe, but to be honest, I... I He's an up on pick, you know. It's not like he's oh wow, fifty percent of the comp has the number one pick. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason he was the number one pick. Dominated, not nab league senior footy. Um, obviously, the role is where everyone's question marks going to land. North have a few mids, you know, picked up a few mids or, or in the off season. So that's where everyone's questioning it. But I still think he can average seventy something in the forward line with his impact that he has. He's a super coach kind of player as far as I'm aware, you know, with the stuff he does, tackling, big plays, you know, what that sort of stuff does for super coach scoring. So obviously want to see the role. More mid-time would be awesome, but um, for, I just have more trust in a number one pick like him over Finn McRae who um, didn't show too much really last year. I know he's had a good off-season and he's, he's building, he's bulking up, whatever you want to start talking about him. But, yeah, I just have more trust in a guy like that over, over Finn McRae. Do you, hey, you should have seen Well, it's it's a it's a hard choice because there'll be Ward, Erasmus, all these play this two hundred K star. Maybe you run two of them well, uh, with Dacos. Yeah. If uh, at M five, I'm assuming Greg Clark's M eight. So, well, yeah, it's a it's gonna be a tough call, really tough, because uh, Horn France is fifty two percent. That had me worried because I'm like, uh, maybe I need to get him in. I don't know. I know you said, you say, JD, ownership shouldn't affect um, whether you pick a player or not. But when it's this high, it does have me worried. What if I don't have him? But do you have Horn Francis at the moment, JD? No, nah, that's a bum pick too. I think I honestly think it's a bum pick. <laughs> if, you're doing, if you're doing proper super coach research uh, and you've played the game before, I, I genuinely think it's a bum pick. For like, I mean, he's going to play half forward in a bottom four to six side realistically and we're just talking about how their game plan is kicking around the back half like, what, what part of that says he's going to score well it doesn't matter that he played well against men he played well against men in a team that scored and he got midfield time he's getting none of that this year and he's 207k so if it's if it's not him or like say McRae doesn't come up good either I'm still looking at different options like a Ward or a Hobbs or Erasmus like all of these seem like they're going to get the mid-roll and they're a better price and they'll make more money. Like, it, it, I just can't get the pick. The only other argument I've heard is like, yeah, but he might be a forward in round six. And that's great. I still wouldn't pay 210K for him in the forward line either. I don't think it's a good pick. It's a bum pick. That's a big call. It Disrespectful call. No, <laughs> I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he won't be good in Supercoach one day. I'm just saying if it's like... 70% half forward roll, that is not going to give you return 207k. If that changes and it's more like 50-50 in the preseason, then of course I'm going to look at him more seriously as an option. But as it stands, I just like, I can't say being a good pick. There's so many, so many better options. We need to see him play in the Amy series. That one precious game we'll get. It's a tough one. Oh, it, yeah, it's hard to get a read on all these draftees and 200k players so we'll see how that works out um i'm interested in him still i'm taking him over ward he's played a lot more games than ward and he's better than ward but might not have as good of good of a role but it's uh we'll, we'll have time to figure this out so yeah very highly owned
But I don't, yeah, it's not going to... Which doesn't surprise me. At the end of the day, that yeah, question number... doesn't surprise me why he has 50%, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll move on to the forward line. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, we forgot to mention that, about... Yes, thank you. You're going to make me Sorry. Francis, but you skip over Rao, please. Okay, Talk Matthew Rao. <laughs> what? Matthew Rao's tearing up preseason, apparently. JD, is he in your team at the moment? Uh, unfortunately not. I talked him out for another secret tech defender that we didn't talk about that you were you also were looking at George but we're looking had, at ownership okay I have I have yeah and they're low low ownership players but yeah um Raul is one that I have played with a couple of times in my preseason his his skill cap and his skill level is phenomenal not just for AFL but for super coach and if he's getting back to 90% of that he's easily going 100 plus this year easily going 100 plus and at that price, that makes him a very, very, very good option. So I like I. Th- there's so many people just dismiss. Like you got these smirks, you're looking away. Like oh, where do I look? hundred average. Like, oh, I better look at the run sheet. What's next? You can't see Rao going hundred average. No. He was what? bad last year. He was bad last year. He was coming off his shoulder and the PCL back to back, and they managed him with game time. Like he was playing seventy percent game time a lot of these games, but he's found that explosiveness. He's going to be back to his best. We're going to see original OG Rao. You know the the sunscreen face, the book studier, the the nine Brownlow votes Rao. That's who we're going to see this year. Hundred plus. Write it down. It feels well, like a pit- dream yeah. I had three years ago. I can't even remember that <laughs> happening. <laughs> Right, I'm taking well, Dylan Shield over Matt Rowe. Shield <laughs> <laughs> has seven years straight of 89 plus average and is tearing up the preseason. At least he's, he can score. Uh, well, I, I'd, I'd take a head-to-head bet. I'd take Rowe over Shield. <laughs> okay, what are we betting over? You have to uh, do can... something. You have to wear that stupid shirt again. <laughs> the, the, by halfway through the year. Yeah, and then okay. I'll wear the worst shirt I have. I have some shockers, so I'll give you some <laughs> options. Yeah, I think I think they're a football team. There's, there's a jersey that you wear. That, that's pretty bad, <laughs> but uh, we'll pick a different one. That's all right. All right, we'll we'll settle that. Rao versus Shield, halfway through the year, we'll see how that goes. I guess that's the real debate. The, the big primos aren't. It's the mid prices and rookies this year, yeah. really. Ford line, Joshua Dunkley, fifty-one percent. Duncan, 29. Butters, 25. Dusty, 24. Tim Taranto, 20%. Goey, 12%. Isaac, 8%. Taron Thomas, 6%. I think I can start on this one. So Duncan's quite high. Definitely a good scorer, 29%. How can you... Okay, the hypocrisy of a Heaney owner saying this, but his durability with the... um. Calf issues, hamstring issues, knee issues over the past two years. 30 years old. That's the biggest red flag I've seen in my life. I can't see a world where I start him. Maybe bring him in after the buys where I don't need him for 22 games, need him for eight games or whatever. Um, thought that was a little high. Um, Heaney, way too low, 8%, disrespectful. But I think uh, people have been through the motions with him. So all the long-term players are sick of that pick. Um, 
Butters 25 is pretty, probably about where I thought. Uh, Butters is a really tough one to get a read on. I'm still uncertain on Butters, and I'm kind of relying on what other people say about him, to be honest. But what we saw in the preseason last year in, in the opening rounds, plus he should have increased mid-time this year, pretty exciting stuff. So I think they need him in the midfield, need his ball use and pressure in the midfield. So, Eno, uh, anything stand out for you in the forward line? Um, I think you've said it okay. pretty much the ones Sorry. that do stand out. Duncan, yeah, go for it. Uh, so below Dunkley, aside from him, which one is in your team out of these players? Um, it is Butters. It is Butters. But I share the same sentiments. I'm not as confident as, on him as, as others are. Um, and that's not because of DPP. That's just because I'm not, you know, just set that he's going to average, you know, triple figures or close to it. Um but at the price, it does seem like an enticing starting pick. And I'd, obviously, besides Dugowie, at the same price, if he gets the same role, I think he's the best. But at this stage, until we see that, I think he's the better of, of um, him himself and Heaney. So, but man, it's tough. It's, at this point, it's tough without seeing anything. Um, but it doesn't surprise me his his ownership. The one below him does a little bit. I know he's, you know, him. Dusty, Danger, Fife are always the ones that you just probably lock in for 25% ownership because it's who they are. Um, but Dusty being 24% is quite high for someone that people probably are off as a pick for the rest of his career now. So maybe they're auto-field teams. I don't know. <laughs> but it is pretty high. So that's probably one that does surprise me. JD, what are you thinking? Who's your F2 at the moment? Uh, I have an F2 and an F3. So I have both Heaney and Butters. Oh, let's bring them together. Let's have a party. Uh, I would say the most surprising thing by far is that Dunkley is only 51%. Like, he is the only good option in the forward line. And by, by good, I mean, like, that is a, a lock, throw away the key, easiest choice there is. So for only 51%, it's crazy. Just kind of shows that maybe we're only playing against, you know, 51% of the competition this year, 49% throwing in joker entries. Um, of what's rare, uh, of what's uh left i think yeah like duncan dusty taranto all seem bad options to me i wouldn't consider any of those as, as good starting picks i guess the only good thing you could say about taranto for example is that he's durable but his role looks shot this year uh i think of heaney and butters i actually probably prefer heaney at the moment yes he had a bad 2020 but outside of that he has been largely pretty durable and Horse said Mills was going in the midfield last year and he went in the midfield and he scored well. So why wouldn't we believe that he'd do the same with Heaney this year? I think Butters probably has more upside than Heaney if he gets the role. And the only thing I'm, I guess, a little bit unsure about is that the Achilles injury is like a career killer. And he had a particularly bad version where he was like, what, threatening, threatened with nerve damage and ongoing problems with that. So can he actually get back to his best and get the mid-time is the only thing that makes me hesitant about Butters at the moment. Was that his knee, the, the nerve issues, or the Achilles? I can't remember. Oh, I have a feeling it was well, knee. Have I stuffed the, the, no, the, the injury? Did he get syndesmosis? It's syndesmosis. He had both. Uh, he, yeah, he had a uh, yeah, syndesmosis and a knee issue. Either way, it's um, that doesn't... Injury's injury, but... Yeah, that was concerning. He did have bad nerve damage, so that's a bit of a worry. So yeah, yeah, when I, I, look I couldn't at... feel my foot was his quote. Maybe he didn't have the oh, okay. confused with someone else. Probably Mills. Maybe Mills I don't know. Yeah. Mills and Gresham were the two Achilles, I think. 
Yeah, so yeah, the fold line is quite fascinating. Um, this is just, you do like a risk check of all these players and there's like red boxes everywhere. And to be honest, the one with the least amount of red boxes would be Haney, to be honest, um, which is pretty crazy. But probably says more about the others than it says about Isaac. But yeah, I think we speak about enough on Isaac, but we'll move on to the mid prices. So Cog 62%, highest owned in the game, along with Nick Dacos, Holland's 57%, Cam Rainer 24%, Gresham 23%. Rainer Gresham surprised me. I guess because they're, you know, Rainer's number one pick, Gresham's pretty high talent. Um, Saints need him badly. I did read today that he had ice on his hamstring or knee. That was just from a big footy post from a training watcher so I can't exactly verify that but that's I don't know why anyone would lie about that but nonetheless there's a little concerning plus he's training with the forwards um, I also missed one here uh, Charlie Kerno 24% as well so I think uh, Cogs Hollands lock him in and then any of these mid prices take your fancy you know, um. or 200k plus the, I think I said it today to you boys or to in the Discord. There's a reason these guys are all mid 200s. They've all got a lot of issues, even Cogs. Like, there is a reason he's he's 260k. Obviously, he's the one with the most upside in history, so he, he's a no brainer. But Rainer off an injury, Gresham off an injury, Kerner off an injury. All these guys have got some problems, and to me, they don't even have that great of roles um, on the horizon. Like, yeah, Rainer might be playing mid time, but. We haven't seen him do it much. And off an ACL, that scares me. Gresham, the same. He just seems like he's just copping big injuries, you know, every year now. Kerno's the one I like the most, and that just feels horrific to say. But he is the one I like the most because he's had the longest um, run in um, at this stage. Maybe Rayner has, I guess, too. But, yeah, I just think Kerno maybe has some upside. I know it's been said he might be like a Joey Danaher that makes some bold cash in, you know, six rounds or so, and, and we flip him on. So he's probably piques my interest the most, I would say, out of all of these. But they don't really give you a lot of confidence, do they? No. And how's Brisbane saying Rainer's dominating intra-clubs against the B-side? They're taking mm. the piss. Like, Mate, Rainer wait is for the it. biggest trap. That is, uh, honestly, that is a bummy pick as well. That is a trap pick. Rainer cannot find the ball. He cannot find the ball. He's never been able to find the ball. And you think he's going to magically come off uh, ACL and all of a sudden be like a... 20 possession a game midfielder it's just not happening it's not happening what I will say is they seem they say he's fully over his ACL and full training and last year he was supposed to you know take the next step we didn't see it because of ACL so does these uh, does he start where he left before he did his ACL and yeah it's I'm interested to watch him because 260 270 whatever he is I think 280 actually um, it's, it's a bit but it's not huge amount so we'll see i'm interested to watch him i have no plans to fit him in at the moment but i'm interested to watch him nonetheless but yeah i'm not convinced just yet it's all it's all talk at the moment if he wasn't draft pick one and he was draft pick 30 would we even be talking about him uh no probably not probably but not. he's pick one so He's he's not shown a single thing at AFL level since then to suggest that he was actually deserved of that pick one. Well, it's still early. It's some players take longer. He's had endurance issues all his career. 
Uh, he is actually the, the the other thing is like he was one of the ones that was talking about. Um, oh wait, maybe it wasn't. No, it, it was Rainer. I think like he's one that slimmed down like two consecutive seasons, like four kilos and another three kilos. So he has been working on some of that stuff. Yeah, see how he goes. Interesting to watch, but yeah, not overly keen. Oh, we've got uh, one more name. I think Anna's written down. Will Brody at twelve percent. I just have oh, to I'm, I, I, I am. <laughs> Oh, one thing I read is, oh, he's doing really well in the clearances. And another thing I read, Andy Brayshaw's got 20 clearances in a row against him. And another thing I read that he's on par with Sean Darcy in the running. I don't know. I I'm interested to watch him. When, when I heard that Sean Darcy one, like, <laughs> Like, really? But um, do we need to spend any time we'll on all Brodies? No, we don't. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll watch him. I'll watch him anyway. But it's it's just red flags left, right, and center with him. What did so, someone yeah. in Discord wrote that? Um, I think it was in Discord. They wrote that um, Will Brody was made to crash packs, not to spread them. And the problem is that AFL is going the way of you have to be able to spread. And he is someone that is how many years in the system now, and he's still finishing dead last in time yeah. trials. I just cannot see him getting games reliably. Yeah, it's. Uh... VFL superstar vibes from him. Move on to the Rocks. Rocks are the most interesting they've been in a few years now. Grundy 37, Proust 30%, uh, Gorn 35, Darcy 29, and Wits 10%. I can see why people don't. Proust was 30%, sorry. That's too high, yeah. I didn't see that. I mean,. I think people are more interested in Proust, less because of Proust, but more because of Darcy's durability, Gorn's on the way down, not his fault, but just the way they set up with Jackson. And then Grundy's been like, thought he was going to get back to his best last year. didn't happen. Now it's going to happen again. Is it going to happen though? I don't know. Um... Assume so. We all have Darcy Bruce. No, 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 sorry, Darcy Grundy. Rather, it's just hard to justify Gorn at his price. But um, yeah, Bruce is a bit of a piss take. Just, I mean, how many times have we said it? Durability, job security, Leon Cameron, Ruck Roulette, relying on a dodgy cover player. Um, Even if he gets named round one. I don't play as great odds he'll be there round two. Either because no. he'll be dropped or they'll change who it is or he'll be injured. Like, it's just not a good pick. It's another bummy pick. Yeah. Because it's at R2 and R3, man, I did this with Naismith. It's not fun. If things go wrong, things go wrong. it's multiple trades to get out of it. You don't want to use multiple trades for this. So, but yeah. It was fun remember, for me, just for the record. Yeah, well, you, you, have, you have to remember with this is you need this, your R2, to hold it down until you get to Sean Darcy or Gorn or Grundy or whoever you don't start. And these players, like Gorn might come down in price. If you want Darcy, Darcy will probably get out of control and hit 700. And then it's just in the hands of his durability. So it's, you, you're betting on timing. You're betting on Proust as a pick. It's betting on... Yeah, if you have an R three such as Max Lynch or you know Combin, Hayes is probably not going to play unless Slice sets out. So um, yeah, not much else to say really. Anna, do you have I any think, thoughts on the ruck line? 
I was just going to say that's like by far the biggest point. All these other mid prices that we talk about were like slightly speculative picks. They've all got people that you could swap out of. Like, say I start Rao and he doesn't work out well, I can go to like Lipinski or Shield or whoever. But if someone like Proust goes down, there is no one you swap to. So you're either stuck with a zero or you have to get him to a premium that round, which means burning trades. It just is the risk is not worth it. It's just not worth it. Yep, I agree. Don't want to mess with that ruck line. <laughs> you can tell tell us all how that's gone before, George. I just always want to set and forget. I know it's a different year. We've got more options, but that's good. I think you've got to nail, nail your selection from, from the get-go. And again, that's going to create more uniqueness in teams, which is awesome. That's what you want to say. Yep. So we have a few questions here. Um, so these, we have three from the Twitter and then bring up um, a few questions from the Discord. So first question is, what do you think is the best Primo starting lineup um, in terms of structure? So like four defenders, five mids, etc. I guess we're not going to know until we have confirmation on which rookies are playing. I think three to four defenders, four to five midfielders, two rucks, two forwards, I think. Something like that. Um, there's not really much to say. We need to wait, but... I think it's yeah more on the lighter side in the forward line and then see see how you go with the balance with the midfielders and defenders. Anything to add there? Probably not much. Not too much, really. Uh, obviously, the midfield is the place where I think we can cut down a mid and then spread it around. So that's the place you can probably, you know, get some cash from. We don't like doing it, of course. We want as many mid big gun midfielders as we can. But, yeah, we need to wait and see. Yep. Um, so thoughts on Lipinski can he break out at the pies I think he can all I can remember is with 40-50% to CBAs a few years back he went in the low 80s so raise that to 70-80% why can't he score 95 but um, yeah when you're 350k you need to average like 100 to 105 basically so um the reward is not super high, unless you can think he can go more than that. But having a good preseason has huge endurance and should get the mid opportunity. So, should have a role. Um, but yeah, I guess midfield slots are pretty precious. So, not one I'd uh, probably not one I'm considering, to be honest. But interest, interested to see how he goes. But um, yeah, I think that'll do with the Pinsky. Um, so, next question Who are some players you think that could get dual position? Um, during the season. Um, JD, any players spring to mind that might get DPP, specifically um, in the forward line or get forward status? I think this is really hard to predict. The one that most people talked about, I I believe, is Fife, just because they is one that's talked about getting more forward time, um, especially as they transition to a younger midfield. The only other thing I think would be interesting, I want to bring up the Bombers because why not, um, is that now that the midfields return this year, right, we've got everyone in. If they're still going to play Stringer in that midfield role, who's starting forward? Is it Shield? Is it McGrath? Is it Caldwell? So I think like one of those is an interesting mid-price option that might get forward eligibility, but I, I would not be in the business of predicting premiums that are going to get forward eligibility. And for the record, I don't think someone like Bont is going to get it either. Would you be surprised if I told you Fife had more than Mundy and Brayshaw last year? 
uh, CBAs. No, I, they, I'm well aware. They you probably looked at that. It's <laughs> one thing they talk about is him like moving out. Yeah. 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 I'm just surprised that, yeah, Mundy and Brayshaw were below him, but it's, it's close. But yeah, obviously the threshold is very, very close. So. And Sarong, Sarong yeah, topped probably... it. Yeah. I guess it depends on maybe some players are being managed. So I don't know how Matt Crouch can start off half forward because I think he needs to start in the middle every time. But coming back from a groin, do they manage him a bit? It's like stuff like that with um like like what we saw with Josh Kelly. So see if any players get managed early. Um, Bulldogs mids, who knows? We could get five Bulldogs mids in the forward line. You, you just never know. Could get one in the ruck. <laughs> Bon R2, that would be pretty good. What is it, Baz um, and, I think Baz and Lockie Hunter are mids. Who knows? <laughs> could get Bevo, yeah. but the thing is they could get Bevoed back. And Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, the, the only other um, one that comes to mind would be Zorko getting um, defense eligibility because there's a lot of talk of him starting at half-back, which would be pretty interesting if that happens. I think he'll be either a forward or a defender because already in yeah. like match sims, like he's not playing mid. I guess it's preseason, but... Um, they want to use like Bailey and stuff through there now, so see how that goes. Maybe we get a few rucks at rest. Ryder and Marsh, uh, Marshall both fully fit at the start of the year. Maybe Ryder's a, um, a Marshall can get forward status it's just because like Ryder was out a fair bit last year, so uh, yeah, that's probably why Marshall missed out. But yeah, hopefully we get a ruck forward, that'd be great. And then maybe mids, a few mids, so see how we go. Now, I think we'll bring up the Discord questions. Mm-hmm. So, um, JD, are you able to open the thread? Yep, yep. Uh, it should be on screen now if you are looking at the broadcast. So, yeah, we just okay. posted like two minutes before we recorded. Uh, whoever wanted to ask questions could, and we'll just, oh, I guess I'll just do um, quick fire with uh, yourself and Enno to go through these as quick as we can, try and get through as many as possible in the next 10 minutes. Let's try and cap this in an hour. So, George, firstly to you, thoughts on Matt Crouch now that he's back in full training? No. Because, <laughs> um, first of all, limited preseason. Second of all, you remember he was dropped a few years ago? I'm not saying that happens again. I know he's important, still an important player, but Keys, Keys can go elsewhere, but like Sloan's probably going to play mid again. I don't want him to. Um, Laird has to play mid. They need to get time to Schoenberg. And we drafted all these kids like uh, Barry. Um, a few new ones this year as well. So we need to... Uh, this is like too one-dimensional with him. But yeah, long story short, uh, no. All right, Eno, second question. Thoughts on not getting McRae or Lloyd when building a team? So you're missing out on the top uh, scoring midfielder and defender from last year. Thoughts on this? I know you do like this, that it doesn't always end up that way these guys don't always back it up i think mccray is one that that can lloyd i can see a world where he's not there's a lot of good defender options um so i don't hate avoiding him mccray is one i just really can't see myself going without so yeah, i don't mind lloyd, not going without lloyd but uh, both of them would be a bit of a risk all right excellent george we're going to get a lot of midfielder questions so i think i'll give both of you an opportunity to answer this at some point but who to start in the midfield for Primos? Uh, maybe you just want to share the four or five that you've got in your midfield at the moment. Yep. Steel, McRae, Took, Titch, Neil. And then at the moment, if uh, rookies don't go the way I want them to go, uh, Took will be cut into a defender. 
I don't want to cut talk though. It's a hard decision, but those are my five. Yeah, perfect. I think I've got the exact same five as you, but I've got Walsh instead of Took. Uh, all right, and the structure question we've already answered. Uh, Eno, which rookies have been impressing you in the preseason so far? Him with three names. And if you say Juan uh, Francis, what do you think now? McCray. <laughs> uh, well, see, this is where I'm not across all this stuff as much as you two right. guys. You well, read a lot of it, me. Throw it to George. Throw it to George. Throw it to George. George. I like what I'm hearing from Erasmus. I loved him in his draft year. Has a good contested game, good overhead game, uh, air game. Um, Finn obviously improved this preseason. Um, throw Brody Kemp in your defense for now. I think he'll get opportunity. Impressed in the his VFL numbers weren't super great, but I think he's going to get a decent role back there for Carlton. Was a very high talent. I think Nightmare had him top five or top six in his draft on draft board. So has a yeah can run and carry can intercept has a good a few good defensive traits, so I think we'll get a few one fifty k defender rookies. So Sin Perez Kemp, I think we'll get all three. Um, good chance. So maybe you can chuck them down back. All right, excellent. Thanks, George. Eno, uh, out of McRae, Steele, Miller, and Oliver, which one of those are you cutting? Oh, for me, it's Oliver. Thanks for that question. <laughs> no worries. Uh, George, back to you. A favourite of yours, of course, Mitch McGovern. Uh, what do you think about his new role? Is he going to be relevant to the coach for this year? Uh, it's a tough one. His dribbling is pretty bad. And he's... I remember when I was working at Coles, he used to always come in and buy Alan's snakes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, don't get George started on players that don't diet right. That's an instant cut. <laughs> Well, his dribbling is atrocious. His um, work ethic is questionable. That's what you always got to work hard to get the AFL level. But to be maker, it's another level of work ethic. So those are both very questionable. I guess he new role. He's been buying he's... it for the coach, right? The coach's box needs the Alan Ollies at the quarter time. You seem thinking <laughs> maybe he's just a good good kid for the coach. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, no. I'm interested to see how he goes in the role, but. Chances I pick him are slim to zero. Excellent. All right. We've touched on this one a little bit. Uh, so, Eno, Whitfield going to survive a season without getting injured. Does the risk outweigh the reward? How about this? Over or under 20 games this year for Whitfield? And if he's under 20 games, can you start him? Get your crystal ball um, Yeah, I know. I would say over. And even if it's under, I'd say, yeah, you still can. So, put it that way. George, do you think it's time that the salary cap increased now that trades have increased to 35? Uh, this is a philosophical mm. one. That's probably hard to answer on the fly, <laughs> but let's get your take. No. That's a JD question. With yeah, that is something done. I would spend too much time <laughs> in a spreadsheet looking at. Yeah. So no, no. I, I I like the fixed salary cap as well. I think moving it might not be best, but I, it's one of those things you need to sit down and think about. Uh, how do we use a trade boost? I think we've already talked about that a little bit. Should we be concerned at all with Darcy's light duty so far this preseason? I might throw that one to George again. Yes, it's not good. Uh, who's your backup ruck option if Darcy doesn't get up? Is it gone? Or you look at OMAC? Um, DR's not a fan of OMAC, which surprises me. Uh, I think it's probably OMAC, but I guess probably gone. One of those two. Say gone, Max gone. All right, and we're in for banger of a question here. Mid price forwards, you've got to rank them. So, Kono, Rioli, Cogs, Coleman, West, and Rayner. I think that's Willie Rioli as well. Yeah, it would be. Oh, yeah, you could do both Riolis, but yeah, let's do the West Coast one. 
yeah, Cogs Kerno, or Cogs one. Kerno is the best of the rest for me. Coleman, I think, is has the most potential out of the rest of those, and then West Coast players, I'm not very intrigued by, and Rainer doesn't really pique my interest. I'll put Rainer ahead of the West Coast guys, but maybe West, maybe West, but I'm really not too keen on West Coast players, to be honest. George, do you agree with that? Is there anything you'd swap up? Uh, I have Cogs and Kerno, and I'm thinking about Coleman. Yep, perfect. And then the rest throw a uh, blanket over them. I don't know. Klopp asked a cracking question here around approaching strategies, but I think that'll be leaked as we go through these podcasts. Probably not good for a one-minute answer. Uh, all right, Drunk Ninja 96 with Bows out for three to four months and Lukosh is playing forward. As we know so far, could Will Power receive more kick-ins in... But yeah, the, the bunch of stuff around the kick-ins there. So um, I don't know if this actually opens up. There you go. So you can see Will Powell had, uh, what is it, 62% play on from 80 kick-ins and then Bose had, or Bowles, whatever, had 70 kick-ins. So could we see Will Powell receive more kick-ins on the back of Bose being injured slash moving into the midfield? And does that make him a good selection? I don't even know what he looks like, to be honest. I can't help you. <laughs> oh, come on. You know Willie Powell. He's got some dash to him. He averaged 82 last year in 22 games. So he was actually pretty good. I remember watching him because you made me get bows in. So I was watching Gold Coast more than I bloody wanted to. But he's actually not too bad of a player. And if the kick-ins come, he could average in the 90s. But it's just like not... What's his role? Consider. Yeah. Uh, he's like a dashing sort of halfback. They Takes got the Weller going back there. Okay. I don't know. And I, I don't know. Uh, he's 446k because of his actually pretty good year last year. So it's a bit much. No disrespect to him, just don't know. Uh, go on. Yeah, so, nah. so this next question is a joke question, I think aimed at me from Sammy, who finished third in the BBL, because I was bringing up Lockie Weller, like, hey, did you guys know he's moving to halfback? Apparently, this is like really old news that everyone else knew. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. All right, next question. Um, Sammy's quickly, he's an OG Weller owner. He had him two years ago in the back half of 2019 and actually did well. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right, so yeah, Will Power, we've answered that. Uh, what do you guys think Kerno will average? Both of you, let's get a number. 74. 75. Oh, oh excellent. Um, is there someone you feel like could be a trap that everyone else is picking or considering? Oh, good Let me question. Speak about it. Well, for me, it's Sicily. I'm not to say full trap, but for me, it's someone that clearly a lot of people are picking that I'm not as keen on, to phrase it that way. I wouldn't say full trap though. George. Any of the two hundred, any two hundred k player not named Dacos that you're picking instead of Finn McRae. Um, okay. Uh, he has I, really good points per minute, by the way. Finn McRae. <laughs> Finn, yeah. Yeah, really good. seconds. It's probably jacked up by that eleven Both. touch term. <laughs> Yeah, 12. Uh, and then to throw out a different name, uh, we saw in the defender stats, like Stewart has something like 17, 80% pick rate. Liz Frank injuries are no joke. I would not be starting him. I feel like that's a trap starting pick. Uh, what do you think Coleman will average with Zorko at halfback? George, you've been considering him. What do you think? I need to see how many kickouts he gets. Cause I think he got one or two in the finals, Coleman. So now Birchall's gone. Who gets them? They give it all to Rich. Starsevic take a few, does Coleman take a few, I don't know. And I don't even know if Zorko is moving to halfback. There's nothing official. That was like a second party source, third party source, whatever it's called. Um, so I just answered what will Coleman average? 79, 80, I don't know. 
Eno, uh, two of your favourites and one that you'll have a hard time answering, Walsh or Titch? Uh, Walsh, because I trust him more. But Titch is still a good pick to me. But yeah, Walsh, we're keeping it quick. All right, Crisp or Ridley, who do you have? Ridley, easy. Yeah, I say Ridley for me. Chris got a new game plan going on. And yeah, they let him push up a lot into the midfield. I don't know if he's going to do that anymore. A lot of stuffing around with it. Um, did Collingwood under Harvey and Buckley. So yeah, I like Ridley more. Uh, so Drunk Ninja on a Lipinski question. So if, if he plays enough forward time to get that eligibility in round six, could he be a top six forward for the year? Depends what he averages. <laughs> if he averages ninety-five plus, sure. Yeah, if he doesn't, no. Uh, so so I would, I'm going to answer that based on what you said before about Lipinski. You said it would be difficult for him to get to ninety-five, and that's probably what we need. No, for no, no, no. I think I think he will get to ninety-five if he gets seventy, eighty percent midtime. Okay, so then yeah, I guess your answer would be yes. But if he's getting seventy, eighty percent midtime, he's not getting forward eligibility. So then, yep. yeah, yep. So he's yeah yeah. So probably the answer to that question is no. Um, any thoughts on the ruck situation on not going Darcy and Grundy? I think we've covered that. Uh, is it wise to run Ward at M8 or should I field Greg Clark? I feel like this is a George question. Do you have strong views on this? Oh well, what I'm saying is Greg Clark's waffle average was more than more than Ward's Mablik average. Like, what do you want me to say? Let's look at the numbers. <laughs> Um, what will it take for you guys to consider Rao M5, M6? Not much is the answer to that question. I'm already considering him. Um, thoughts on Rochelle? Nothing. Oh, this no, is no an thoughts. interesting one. No, no, no. no, no. I, I was referring to the qu question above. No, Rochelle is an intriguing one. Um, it's hard because he's going to play almost predominantly forward. I don't know if his fitness is up to scratch yet, but he's impressing. Kicked like four or five the other day in an intra-club. Um, doing all the right things, but... Realistically, in a bottom team, I don't know how if you how much he pushes up the ground or not. I'm more you're like you're marking forward than you're crumbing forward, so um, hey, it's going to be hard to justify that price. Money. Why can't Rochelle? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. It's just like he's not going to score much. I don't think so. I'm keen to watch him though. Um, holy cow answering that Raul he thinks could be a trap so I think that's a ban or a kick what are we going with <laughs> um, crispy super coach is crisp a lock for any of you guys I think the answer is no across the board there um, Hammy the player you want to pick but can't for whatever reason Ooh. It's, for me it's probably just one of the big mids that, <laughs> like Clary or oh, you know I don't know so, probably like I don't know Lipinski. <laughs> what was your answer, Eno? Like Clary or something, and a bit of a cop-out answer, but like one of the big mids. That, oh, just that another, another midfield. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll tell well, you. Ridley, I'll Ridley uh, is mine. I'll tell you. Um, Can't okay. fit him in. An outside one. Uh, like, I mean, I'm not going to say Rao again, but um, Clark, now that he's at Freo, I really want him to be a defender and run that back and kind of get redemption for last year. Or maybe even like a young, if his price was cheap enough, like two guys at Burmy, but not to be the case <laughs> this year. Uh, all right. Oh, we're not answering more Lipinski questions, Ninja. I think it might be time to get off the Terps. Uh, what Primo mids? We've answered that. Um, oh, actually, Eno, you haven't, you haven't revealed yours, have you? So who are you running in the midfield? It was actually like a combination. I got Walsh like you, but um, 
no Titch or something, but it's yeah, McRae, Steele, Walsh, Neil, and um, two. I think. So. Excellent. All right, like so you don't necessarily have to start them, but a player you're backing to break out this season. Well, let's go for a name that we haven't mentioned so far. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Dan Rioli, maybe. If he gets, he, Dan Rioli got kickouts in the last game. So maybe if that... I don't know, if he splits with Short, yeah, you got to give Short more, surely. But if he can get, I think, at 20%, if that can be lifted to... 35, 40%, we could see him push 90 because he went 85 without Huli in the team. Plus, he gets preseason at halfback. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll improve because um, that's what Bose did. He had a full preseason at halfback for the first time and he, that was that. That happened last year. But nonetheless, yeah, Dan Rioli, I can see pushing in the 90s. Okay. I was surprised by that. Um... Is he that bad? No, I just I thought we were going another way. I, mean, I get what you mean with the role oh, and what okay. that, that could be. Um, could be. A oh, okay, I know what you mean. Yeah, that many people don't think he's a good player. Is my point. <laughs> okay, um, but maybe he can find himself back there. Yeah, I don't really have one JD on the top of my head. Do you? Uh, there's like lots of second year port players I think you could pick, but I'm going to go for a homer pick. This is the year of Sammy Draper, the year of the <laughs> mullet. He's he's going to break out to be that almost primo ruck, ruck level scoring into the 90s this year, as long as he stays fit and healthy. Uh, Shandy, good question here. What will you be doing differently this year compared to last? Is there a one big thing in your mind, George Enno? Oh, many things I need to do differently. Need to hold my nerve on rookies. Let it go if you miss a rookie. And then, um, yeah. Don't fall for Tex Walker. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no meme picks. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the rookies call. I, I think we should be able to get most of them this year. The, the only question is over how many games these kids have really played over the last couple of years is, is a big question mark. But, yeah. I think just quickly with rookies, you can kind of sort of figure out what they're going to average based on, I don't know, age, role. So, like, for example, I brought in Heath Chapman last year for 200K. Why? He's so young. Um, yeah, it's... They had a few other defenders back there. So, yeah, like he, he started off with an 80 and a 90. He's not going to average 80 and 90 in his first year. So, yeah, stuff like that. Anyway, move on. Uh, and I just to answer this question, for me, it's around um, only picking... Preferably just one premium from a team, kind of max two to help with uh, the COVID, mitigating COVID risks this year. That's probably like the big thing that comes to mind. Uh, we've touched on this a little bit, but are there any real F2, F3 premium options and how poor do the mid prices need to be for us not to select Dunkley as our only forward premium? I mean, I only like Heaney. Yeah, I, I think there's no um, obvious F2 Primo option. I think we've got Dunkley as a standout and then there's nothing obvious as an F2 or F3 to me at the moment as a real Primo option. They're all speculative with, I think, agreeing with George, like Henny's the least of those at the moment. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, and and then... to be, even to be able to afford your third, sorry, to be able to, if you wanted to go three, you have to give up M5 or D4, so... And we're paying up for rookies, so it's tough to, to fit more. All right. So then uh, two questions to go. So firstly, is this the year with potential COVID interruptions, uh, the one that you can pick a couple more potentially injury-prone prone players than normal? 
e.g. the entire forward lines that we're picking at the moment? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think it's it helps the Darcy and Whitford pick a little bit. But I wouldn't be going on um, Taylor Adams in the midfield. Like Probably a bad example, but like Luke Ryan defence because you want to pick him. Like No, wouldn't do that to that extent. Only the ones like Whitfield and Darcy who have stupid upside. But yeah, yeah like, uh, still want to make a balanced team. Like I had Heaney before the rules changed the extra trade, so yeah. Yep, I think I still think it's going to be difficult to get to a full premium side, which means you don't want to be wasting too many trades on sideways. So we try and give those a miss. And then uh, for Big J all day to finish off, tips on producing more content, I'll just give two here. So I think you can either, one, find people you enjoy producing content with and that makes it a little bit fun, less of a job. And then secondly, just try and get yourself a schedule that you stick to throughout the year. Um, and, and don't overcommit because as soon as you overcommit, you burn out. But I think that's everything for tonight. Who shall I hand over to to sign off? Sure. Well, that, <laughs> sure. Was, a, that, was, good, sure. that was a good uh, podcast. Um, Sorry, go on, JD. Uh, no, I should, should have just said um, like, thanks everyone that asked questions in the Discord. And if you want to be a part of it next time, then make sure you uh, find us up the Fantasy Take TV Discord. Yeah. Also, check out the Facebook page. I'm putting different stuff on the Facebook page than Twitter and stuff like that, more in depth right up. So uh, check it. Should be good. So, uh, NO, JD, or well, NO, pleasure as always. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, it is. JD, also a big pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me and thanks for an hour of fun. We'll do a few more of these, lots of discuss. We need to discuss all the other lines in a bit more depth and um, whatever else comes up. So, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, yeah, we'll be on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Check us out and we'll see you next time. <laughs>